0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, I really appreciate the West Side uh, Church. We are a very uh, giving, and I really think a very compassionate group as well. As you all know, about uh, three weeks ago, we lost one of the members of the staff here on the veterans uh, staff that have been working here for a long time, and that... Uh, He died uh, all of a sudden from a motorcycle accident, and we found out, and the next day as we got together, we took a contribution for him. And I just wanna let you guys know that we collected over $1,700 for him, and we're gonna be able to distribute that money. He has family here as well as in uh, Central America, so we're gonna distribute the money uh, to them. And I think that the whole staff here is very appreciative uh, of that as well. So thank you so much for your generosity. Let me do this. Uh, How's the sound? Is it okay? Or is it? It sounds a little bit weird up here for me. It's a little bit odd. Okay, let me do this. Mike, can I shut mine off? And I'll just use this. All right. right. Is that better? All right, cool. Well, I want to thank the the Spats for such a a great gift. What a cool gift. Uh, It reminded us when we went out on the mission team... We were sent out in L.A. in 1992, and the gift that we got was also a timepiece as well. So this is a new era of our our mission time together with you guys. So we're super excited about uh, what God has done as well. You know, I want to uh, be able to start off with uh, going through... um... All right, there we go. As you all know, we have some local news, right? Uh, Yesterday there was a big fire up in Calabasas, I want to give you some news on that. And the Joan and Gracie are doing fine. Uh, they live up in that area where the fire came very close to them. And last night at 2 in the morning, they felt the smoke coming into their home. So they evacuated this morning, early morning, and they're safe. They're with their daughters uh, and family up in the north area. So please, they want to just convey to me uh, just the gratitude for all your prayers, and they're safe and sound. So please continue to, to pray for them. Uh, throughout the day. I think they're still trying to contain the fire up in Calabasas. So let's pray. Father, so grateful to you that we are here safe. But uh, Father, we do know that just right up the street, up to the 405, there are families being uprooted and being moved and homes that are uh, being threatened by the fire uh, that's going on. Uh, Father, thanks so much for watching over Joan Gracie, our brother and sister. Uh, and Father, I pray that you really watch over everyone else as well. And uh, God, we pray for this uh, meeting this morning together as a family uh, to listen to your word, open up your uh, hearts, God, and uh, Father, help us to be filled uh, with your Holy Spirit and to listen attentively to what you have to say to us. Father, I pray that, uh, God, as we walk out of here this afternoon, that, uh, Father, we will meditate on your words and that, uh, God, we will make changes and really inspired as well. And I uh, got to know that we're not alone, uh, God, that you're helping us. God, we're grateful for the spats and summer and Kiki being here with us. Father, we pray that we can really lift them up and really make them feel at home during these next few weeks, and especially as they settle into their new home. Father, bless them, and God bless their family as well. Father, we love you so much. So grateful to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, I don't know about you, I'm a big history buff. And uh, this past two weeks has been really momentous for us as a country. Uh, There were two events that had happened that I think shaped the United States of America and I think we're coming full circle on them. And one particularly is very important to me because I was born in 1966 in Saigon when the war was raging. And I came here in 1975 fleeing from a country that was just overrun by uh, communist forces. And it was the first war that the United States really, if you can call it a loss, uh, that was it, and it was a very traumatic time for the United States of America, and I think it has shaped us in the last four decades in so many ways. Shaped us in how we fight war, shaped us in how we do diplomacy and engage and not engage as well, but uh, two weeks, uh, and within the last two weeks, President Obama went back to Vietnam to shake hands with the communist leader of the very city that we tried to overthrow 40 years ago. Pretty amazing. Seventy-one years ago, our country was also winding down the war in the Pacific, and we are the first, countries to ever, to, first country to have ever used nuclear weapons. And we dropped two bombs in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and I appreciate also Obama's trip. You know, he's coming towards the end of his presidency, and I think there's a legacy thing, but I think that there's also a desire to mend some of the fences, and I really appreciate that. So this is 71 years after the bomb was dropped in Hiroshima and uh, going there to really show the world that the danger of nuclear proliferation, number one, but also really as as something that that we can commemorate and remember not to do it again. Not just our country, but all the countries in the world. Why do I bring these two things up? Because I think they're very important. There are things that are going on locally. There are things that are going globally that sometimes I think that we don't realize what God is doing around the world. Number one, but I think that's even Mark shared about today, things happen. And we are here in our lifetime trying to adjust and trying to figure out how to respond to these things and how our worldview is shaped by the events locally and around the world as well. And the question for us is how do we respond and as Mark mentioned, we started a series called Brand New, and really it's Brand New is not just a new organization or a new, new way of doing things, but really a new heart in how we approach things that we see around the world locally and um, here locally as well and, and throughout the world as well. You know, I know for me this past week as we see the death of one of the great American icons, Muhammad Ali. And I chose this picture and I chose this picture as well outside of the ring because he did things, I think he was a champion outside of the ring. And as an American or adopted a country of mine, and just looking at the history and what he's done, it's been so transformative that a man that was born in during a time that America did go through a lot with race relations, and here's the man that broke the mold. And the things that he said and the things that he did uh, really helped transform America as well. So really uh, celebrate uh, his life, but really really mourning uh, with uh, people that have gone through a lot and just uh, one of the great heroes, I think, in American history. Why do we really take a look at this this morning is to allow us to really see that things are shifting. Things are changing. Things are always fluid and moving. And we are here today as God's representative, really to make a difference. And we are, in so many ways, like these people that we saw ahead of us in the previous few slides, that we are here, as Jesus says, the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And yet the series really is, in so many ways, to show that, historically, the, the Christian church has not been the light of the world. The Christian church has not been the salt of the earth. And as a matter of fact, Jesus himself disparaged what the church is if we are not close to God. And he says that you are the salt, but if salt loses, what? It's saltiness. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a scientist by all means, but you know, I don't think salt loses its saltiness. I mean, salt is salt. But what he's saying is that if salt is so diluted by the world, so polluted by the dirt and impurities of the world, that it loses its value. What good is it except to be thrown out and trampled by men? Isn't that what we see today? People disparage churches today because they, they don't see the power in it. They look at it and they see it as a crutch for a lot of people, but they don't see the power in it, so they disparage it as well. And not only Jesus, but also Paul talked about the church. And he said, looking into the future, what did Paul say? He said, Listen, for a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, but instead, to get to, to suit their own ears, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Even Paul understood that. He said, Within my generation, Paul said. And that's why I really appreciate Mark's communion today. It is a battle. It is free land, but you've got to stake it. You've got to fight for it. You've got to defend it over and over and over again. And that's why we look at scriptures and we examine scripture and we see what was done good. We take responsibility for what was done not so good and we, we stake a movement towards the future on what we can do now. We have a great opportunity here in the church on the west side. We really do. I think we've gone through a lot in the West Side. I think we've gone through an upheaval at a time when we question things. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I was born during a, rebel, a, a, a civil war. I don't have any problems with you know, putting up the, the gloves and fighting things out. I was born realizing, understanding, that if you want something, you've got to fight for it. And you've got to examine old paradigms that worked for a time. And we're not here to disparage some of the things that people thought were good. And we build upon that, but we also learn from it as well. So hence the series Brand New. Jesus brought something entirely new. You know, we talked about letting go. Part of Brand New is letting go of some of the old stuff. And that was two weeks ago. Last week, I appreciate Brian, he did great things. He, talked about, he did a great sermon about the only thing that counts is what? Faith expressing itself in love. And I appreciate what Brian says. Brian says that Jesus brought this new model. It is a lot more simple, minus the 654 or whatever laws that the Jews came up with just to make sure that they don't violate God's commands on top of the Scriptures. But Jesus came, and Paul came. and is the only thing that counts. And seemingly, ostensibly, it seems so easy, right? Love, fluffy, ooh, nice songs. It's more than that. It is ostensibly more simple, but infinitely more, more 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 sacrificial. In the Old Testament, there was a call to give a tithe, everything that they had. In the New Testament, they were called to give them their lives. So today, we're going to talk about what if? What if we go back? What if we really live out what the Scriptures? talk about? What would that look like for us as a people? What would that look like as an individual in our relationship with God? And what would that look like in our communities if we really believe in Scripture and hold on to them wholeheartedly? Next week, Todd's going to get a chance to preach and we're going to figure out this is going to be a great summer. We're going to get a chance to define some terms. That's why I'm really looking forward to working with Todd together. We have similar I think we have similar thoughts in this. We're not afraid, I think, in just trying. Let's try it. Let's figure this out. Let's not be heretical or anything like that. But let's try. Let's try what God has given us. And we're going to look at scriptures. We're going to see how we can do that. Jesus foretold the kingdom, and it was the church that came. Cynical, don't you think? I finally figured out. I tracked down who said it. It, was a, it. I was right. It was a bitter old French philosopher. If you have any, like, quotes that are really bitter and, and you're not sure, I would say 95% of it is like a French philosopher. A couple of Germans, too. I didn't say that. Todd said that. Todd says a few Germans throw in the mix as well. Mark Shaw. Karen Shaw. Jesus foretold the kingdom, and it was the church that came. It was pretty bitter. He said, you know, I I look at scripture and I see this great kingdom that God has foretold. And I look around me and just empirically I see this. It doesn't match. There's a dissonance there. And it wasn't just him. Gandhi even said this. He said, I like your Christ when he was speaking to some missionaries. He says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And Gandhi certainly had his interface with the Christian community in India being a British commonwealth with all the missionaries there. But I think he was basing on this on even his youth when he was working as a lawyer in South Africa when there was systematic prejudice towards black people in their own country. And as an Indian national watching and looking at that, he said that these people claim to be Christians, but how can it be? It doesn't match. It doesn't match, and that's why he said what he said. And that's what the overflow of the heart comes these words. I like Christ. Theoretically, I don't like the Christians, though. And do people feel that way about us? I have some good news. We have an opportunity to change this. I don't know about you. These are fighting words to me. When I see these quotes, it gets me going. It gets me going. It gets me going, man. It makes me go. We're going to change this. We're going to make a difference here. Me, you, all of us together, brand new. You know, as uh, Mark talked about earlier, we talked about the temple model. And in the past, we tend to worship, not only in Christianity, Judaism, and all the major religions, we have secret, you know, sacred places, sacred texts, sacred men, and sincere followers. And that was the system that laid before us for thousands and thousands of years. And here comes Jesus, and he changed the whole thing. And in Mark chapter 13, he says, as he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, Teacher! What massive stones as these country bumpkins were entering Jerusalem for the first time or whatever time that they've been there and they go, Woo, you know, from Gethsemane, they come in from, from they go, Wow, look at these great buildings and they were in awe. Just like us today. We look at some of the stuff that Christianity presents itself and we go, Wow, what a great band, what a great you know, building, what a great whatever, what a great program. What magnificent buildings. Do you see these great buildings, replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. What was Jesus saying? He says, everything that you put your hope in. This, by this time, it was the second temple. The first temple was destroyed in 586 by the Babylonians as the Jews were being taken away in the diaspora. And then they, re, you know, the temple was destroyed and it was rebuilt again by Ezra and Nehemiah as the wall was being built when they came back from their exile. And then the king, the Jewish king, would rebuild upon that old temple, the second temple, and some people would even call it the third temple. And Jesus, speaking about that very same temple, as magnificent as it was, Jesus says, not one stone will be laid on top of one another. He says, everything that you put your hope in, everything that you look towards as your security, as where you think that God resides, it's going to be gone. I'm going to bring about something new. And as the disciples were listening to these words of Jesus, they must have been thinking about what can it be that's new? What is it that's new? As we see the picture here of, this is probably around 70 A.D., when the, when, when the Emperor Titus invaded Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, took away the, 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 the gold and took away the menorah, took away the different the, 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 the treasures of the temple, and that was it. Till this day, the temple is not rebuilt. Till this day. You see, the reason why we look at history is we have the benefits of looking back in history. And see that God's word is true. What Jesus said is true. Today, today, where the temple was, stands uh, an Islamic mosque. Pretty amazing stuff. History teaches us a few things, doesn't it? That God's word is pretty good. Jesus' model far less complicated. Far less complicated. I'm Chinese. I'm so grateful that when I became a Christian, I didn't have to go to the hospital. I'm so grateful that we don't have to bring animals today because I think that would violate some Culver City laws. I'm so grateful that there's not blood all over the place. I can't stand blood. I'm so grateful. It is less complicated but it is more demanding. And we forget that. It is so much more demanding. I was talking to a brother the other day who is coming back into our ministry, and he's been gone for a while, and he looks back, and we've been sitting together and just talking about some of the standards that we want to establish. And he says, yeah, but I don't see some of the Christians do that. I don't see that. And I said to him very bluntly, I said, we're not the standard. We're not the standard. The Bible is the standard. That's what we strive. We don't look at each other and go, we are the epitome. Although we should represent it as God calls us to. But ultimately, we go back to the scriptures. Amen. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus lays out and he summarizes all the commands, all the words in the Old Testament into these two summary commandments. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, Mark and I are big baseball fans. When I talk to Mark, I love it. You know, we're like reading our stats. We even know the members of the 1977, I think, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, right? Willie Stargell, all these guys. I'm like, why did I expend so much energy with all these numbers, their batting averages, and all these things? We put our minds in so many things, don't we? And God says, I need you to love me with all your mind, everything that you got, your plans, your yearning, your joy. When you talk about my scripture, there's got to be joy. There's got to be contemplation. There's got to be meditation. There's got to be just excitement. All of our mind and with all of our strength. You know, I texted our girls the other day a scripture that, you know, they're in college right now. They're, they're trying to figure out what their majors are. And we text them the scriptures. You know, hey, excel in the gifts that will benefit the church, that will build up the church. Excel in gifts that will build up The church. I'm looking forward to getting together with the campus students uh, these next, you know, those who are staying to really talk about their future. This is not just a one-ton, you know, time where, you know, we're we're just, hey, just kind of going along. There's got to be a focus on how to build up the kingdom. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. These two remains. Love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. I'll be honest with you, it's pretty tough. You know, I appreciate Chaz's little push there for the special missions contribution. It's true. To give up your hard earned money for people that you don't even know. To give up hard earned money for people that you can't even speak their language. To give up money for people that are 8,000, 9,000 miles away. It's the others that's hard. But yet, that's what God calls us to be to love the others. We live in an exciting time. Did you know that within 20 or 30 years, America will be the largest Spanish-speaking country in the world? Good news! You don't have to pack your bags to go to the mission field. They're coming here. They're going to be your neighbors. Good news! Save that $75 on your passport. They're going to be hablas español in your face. And the Chinese are coming. They're buying real estate left and right, man. Cash. I am so sorry for my people. We messed things up. They're coming here. It's exciting. People that are persecuted in the Middle East that can't be evangelized over there, they're coming here. We've got to learn their language. Amen? Maybe not physically, you know, learn their language, but we've got we to really love our neighbor. As ourselves. That's a challenge. That's a challenge for us. But it's a good challenge, isn't it? It's a good challenge. Go to church. I'm a minister, I'm telling you, don't go to church. Don't go to church. That's not what Jesus had in mind. The word church really is a German word that took ecclesia, ecclesia and, and, and put it together as a church as, as a representation of a building. And then there's variance on, on the meeting. But we understand in American modern-day evangelical church, and we kind of define a church as a building. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. The original word means that it's, it's more than that. So Jesus, when he spoke to Peter, he explained a little bit about what the church is really like. He says, I tell you that you are Peter. a play on words. Little rock, little pebble Peter. You know, we have little Gabby where we call her all kinds of names. Her name is Gabrielle. Did you know that? You didn't even know that because we never call her Gabrielle, right? We call her Gapster. We call her, you know, Goober. We call her all kinds of names. So Jesus looked at Peter and says, you are a little rock. He says, on this rock, the big rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He said to Peter, he says, Peter, listen. The foundation of the church is not you. And your whims. And your traditions. And your fashions. The foundation of the church is me, but I'm going to give you some latitude. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So the fundamental foundation is on Jesus. But I'm going to give you some latitude on how to build your church. And this is genius. Because what we do now was totally alien if our brothers would be transported in time to, to come here and look at what we do today. And we would be aliens going back 2,000 years. Back, same thing. But God says, I don't really care. That's not my point. My point is that you do the best that you can, but keep my foundation. I say that because sometimes we get really hung up on style, right? We get hung up on this person does that, that person does that. You know what? That's just the way it is. There are different styles of doing things, but we need to keep the foundation. I appreciate Todd. Todd has a different style than me. He speaks differently. I mean, he looks at things differently. He sees my bald spot up here. You know what I mean? I mean, he sees everything. I'm like, I'm, I'm just glad my wife is shorter than me. When I talk to my wife, she sees my nose. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to be like this. You know, but Todd, he sees everything. So I'm like, hey man, don't look at me. You know what I'm saying? We have different styles. We have different vantage points, We have different angles, but our foundation needs to be the same. What if, what if he It's a congregation. It's a people that belong to God. It is what Jesus says, whether two or more, we are representation of God's church. Amen? That's a good thing. That means that we, it's a portable thing. We can go anywhere. It's portable. Church is portable. You know, there's a new thing that I really like. It's, it's on Amazon. It's called A Man in a High Castle. It's, it's a historical, since one, this historical motif. It's a play on history on what if the Japanese and the Germans won. What would that look like in America? And they played it out. It's pretty cool. If you have time check it out. The Japanese got the West, West Coast, the Germans got the East Coast. And we love that kind of stuff, right? What if? What if? What if? What if? But, you know, instead of just watching a movie and it's hypothetical and stuff like that, we have a great opportunity to shape what ifs in our church today. What if? What if we really believe in the scripture? What if we really love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? What if we love our neighbors as ourselves? I have three quick points. What if? Point number one, what if we love God? If we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, our worship will be driven by love. Our worship will be driven by love. The things that we do will be driven by love. The decisions that we make will be driven by love. Love for what? Love for God and love for each other. We are not of ourselves, the Bible says, right? What we do affects one another. You know, they've done studies on human brains where they said that the human brain, if we were to describe it, it is a social brain. It is designed to interface and interact with one another. Even when a baby is born and when it's not touched and when it doesn't have the interaction, it doesn't, it, it does not, it's extremely unhealthy to say the least. We need each other. We are driven by love. Not the temple model. Not because we have to, but we want to. Not because it's traditional, but it's ten 10.30. No, we want to. We want to make this great. You know, when Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth, and he had a hard time with the church in Corinth. Corinth was a little bit like L.A. Corinth was a little bit like New York. It was a very cosmopolitan city. It was a very uppity city. You know, it's not unlike today. There's a lot of competition in Corinth. And I love this one song, and I'm not a big country music song guy, but there was a song that was written about, oh, about three decades ago. And it says, not smart enough for New York and not pretty enough for L.A. Remember that? That's what Corinth was like. And Paul came in there intimidated by the ambition of the Corinthians by the morality of the Corinthians, and he said this. He says, listen. He says, what is Christianity? I says, let me tell you what Christianity is. He says, you yourselves are our letter. Written on our hearts. Known and read by everybody. He says, listen, Corinthians, when we go around the world, we tell people about you. You are in our hearts. You are in our minds. And we boast about you. You show that you are the letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the Living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. What is Paul saying? Paul saying that we don't have to constantly remind you. We can't. We don't have to send emails upon emails upon emails, and you know, letters upon letters. You know what? It's already in your. It's already there that's what Christianity is it's already inside there is something inside of us that wants to please God there's something inside of us that want to do what's right that want to love God and love one another Paul says don't forget who you are it's already written inside the codes are already embedded inside isn't that cool it's already embedded. Not like the Old Testament where they got to, you know, like right under it's already on the inside. We just got to bring it out. For we are out of our mind. It is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and Therefore, all, all, of us, all of us died. Paul says, you know what Christianity is? You know why I do what I do? Right there. Christ died for me. And I'm compelled by that. And that's it. There's nothing else. It's so freeing, the scripture, isn't it? That's it. It's right there. I know that Christ loves me. As a matter of fact, he died for me. And that is enough for me. That is enough for me. Everything else, just gravy. The church, how well we do. It's gravy. It's all gravy. It's very freeing to live like that, to be honest. It's awesome. Don't you think? You're not dependent on the ups and downs of other people. You're not dependent on global events. You're not dependent on if someone said something mean or something bad. We're hurt. We're people. That's true. But at the end of the day, Paul says, Christ's love compels me, and that's it. He's trying to get the Corinthians to do the same thing. What if, what if, what if we would be motivated by God's love? And that's it. Number two, what would our fellowship look like? It would be marked by devotion. Our fellowship will be marked by devotion instead of commitment. Commitment sounds like such a, sometimes we need to be committed. I love that scripture when it says that, you know, blessed is the man or something like that who keeps his commitments even when it hurts. There are times when you got to do things because you got to do things. But the Bible says that it would be better if we do things because we are devoted to one another. Devotion is so much better. And it should mark our relationship with one another. We have relationships with everybody. We have relationships at different levels, and it's okay. I have a relationship with Albert. You see, when Albert comes out with sales, right, it's like 128, I said, wow, those grapes look pretty good. 128 a pound? I've seen cheaper, but 128 is pretty good. So I'm on my way to Albert's place, okay? And I'm going to see 128. I'm so excited. I love grace. All right? So there's a level of devotion to Albert and his sons and all of them. I'm really devoted to that, all right? Until what? Until I get a letter from Ralph. And Ralph says, look, you got 128. I got this for 99 cents. And I'm going to say, Albert, I, I, I love you, man. I appreciate all our past and all that stuff, but I've got to go over to Ralph's because he's got it for 99 cents. Okay? That's okay if it's Albert and Ralph, right? It's not okay that's how we treat one another. That's not okay. I know sometimes devotional can be a little bit far, right? But you know... It's great to see everybody when it's far and we're there. And I understand that work comes up. I understand things happen. But at least we've got to make an effort. Amen? You can't just write it off and set it's too far without talking to one another. That's not family. I'm 49 years old, dudes. If I go anywhere, I call my Mother. I do. I do. Ask my wife. I call my mother all the time. And I feel good about it. I do. Because she's my mom. She worries, right? I drive back. Sometimes I go to San Francisco. I drive back. I'm at the grapevine. I call her. You know, I say, hey, mom, I'm I'm, going to lose reception here, but I'm almost home. And my kids are like, dad, you're not almost home. You're lying. I'm like, I'm almost home. You know? Right? She needs to know. She's an 84-year-old woman. It's not just about me. She worries about me. And when we are not there, we worry about one another. We're devoted to one another. Amen? I want to let you know that when you're not there, it hurts. It does. Number one, it hurts. And number two, it devalues our commitment, our devotion to one another. We call one another. We communicate with one another. We inspire one another. We go, you know what? I have things to do. I know that. But this is important to me that we're here together, and I've deferred some of those things that I'm here with you. And I appreciate Jarrell. Jarrell drives two hours to devotionals when we meet down in, um, in, uh, in Redondo Beach. Jarrell has a full-time job. When we had nobody to lead the singles, Jarrell stepped up. He came down from Seattle. You know, he was going through a bunch of stuff. He came down. He took about three months to sort things out. And he led the singles ministry with Veronica. That's a good thing. Amen? Devoted. We're devoted to one another. Can we move on? Ralphs and Albert. All right. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and and many wonders and Miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Remember what we said? Less complicated, but more devoted to one another. Less complicated, but more sacrificial to one another. You know, that word is a very strong word. They were devoted to one another. And th- let me tell you, our first brother century Christians, they were slaves. A lot of them were slaves, and there's different definitions of slaves, but the fact is they, they fought for their time to be together. They fought, and they realized they understood the need to be together. And I was talking to Elizabeth the other day about just There was a book that was written by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, during World War II, and he was writing about, during, during a really rough time in German's history, and he was writing about the need for fellowship and the sacredness of fellowship. And you're talking about a guy that was, you know, tortured or whatever. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened to him. It wasn't good. Okay? And maybe that's what we need to do to appreciate the fact that we can be one another. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to lift up our teen ministry. Our teen ministry. They pulled together, man. They did great. I I want to lift up Kenny. I want to lift up Cindy. Cindy works a full-time job. Kenny is a full time master's student at UCLA. I appreciate their devotion to the teens. And God bless that. Last week, they almost got me kicked out of my house. There were like 50 teens in my little apartments. It was cool. It was cool. They crammed together. It was like I couldn't even move. I said, Gabby, Gabby, are you okay? And she's like, it was like stepped on by some of the teens. They pulled together, and last week they had had two baptisms, and I want to announce that Kara uh, Subway got baptized as well. Kara, let me get you to stand on up. (laughs) Devoted to one another, and God honors our devotion. Amen? Let me close on out. Communities will be impacted. What if, what if communities will be impacted by Christians? You know, in the Old Testament, this is not a good snapshot of the human race. God was going to destroy the city. Abraham argued with God. He started off with 50 people. He says, listen, if there are 50 people, can you spare this city? And he thought about it. He goes, oh, man, I don't think there are 50 people in this city that are righteous. He whittled it down to 10 people. And God says, he answered, for the sake of ten in the middle, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. This is a good calibration of where humanity is from my perspective, right? But I appreciate Jesus. He doesn't have that perspective of us. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus knew what was in the hearts of men, you, me. But he says, you know what? If you love one another as I have loved you, people will know. The Gandhis of the world will know. They will know because of your love for one another. Let me charge us today as we really close out kind of like the fall, spring, as we're approaching summer. You know, in the summer, we're going to really do some practical workshops on our midweeks. And we're going to really work on the one-another relationship. How do we inspire one another? How do we love one another? How do we take care of one another? And how do we reach out to our communities one another? And I want to challenge us by this one last challenge as we close out before the song leader is coming on them. Be the church. Be the church. Be the church that God imagined when he died on the cross. Be the church that he imagined thousands among thousands of years ago when he planned for Jesus to come and teach us and to lay the foundation for what the church can be. Amen? I don't know about you. I'm excited. Those are fighting words. Let's do this thing together. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.